before we, we begin to read, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Father's Day and, 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 and what that entails and how we even came up with Father's Day. But I, this morning, I, I wasn't planning this. I, I was looking on the internet and uh, Yahoo, you know, the main page popped up and it had funny, or it said, bad dad pictures. I don't know if you guys caught that, but I was like, you guys, you guys have to see this. So let's go ahead and look at the first one. Um, yeah, don't ever take a picture like this with your dad. Um, Unless you're under the age of three. Uh, let's go to the next one. Yeah, uh, enough said. And these were submitted by them. So, yeah, that one here. Is, uh, there we go. Look at that one. Yeah, don't do that one, guys, either. Not good. Um, they're happy, aren't they? Very happy. Dad's there. And, of course, there we go. Yeah, 80s. Bad dad picks that they submitted, they admit. And you guys have some bad dad picks. I know you do. I've got some. Um, but as we think about today and what it represents and why we celebrate Father's Day, I was looking up how, how we came to Father's Day. We just finished celebrating Mother's Day, and, and Pastor Jed has shared and, and talked about um, how Mother's Day came to be. And, and I found this very interesting. It was, it, I'm just going to read this. It said, Father's Day was founded in Spokane, Washington, at the YMCA in who knows what year? Who wants to take a guess? Ooh, close. Clyde, he was like 13 then. So he kind of remembers. He remembers that. Yeah, he was celebrating the first Father's Day. It was actually 1910. Good job. Uh, were you 13 or 14? <laughs> by, so, <laughs> he got me this morning. I had to get him back. Um, by Sonora Smart Dodd, who was born in Arkansas. Its first celebration was in Spokane, YMCA, on June 19, 1910. Her father, the Civil War veteran, William Jackson Smart, was a single parent who raised his six children there. After hearing a sermon about Jarvis's mother, Mother's Day in 1909, she told her pastor that fathers should have a similar holiday honoring them. Although she initially suggested June 5th be the day, her father's birthday, the pastor didn't have enough time to prepare their sermon, so the celebration was deferred to the third Sunday in June. However, it wasn't until 1972, which is 58 years later, that Nixon actually made Father's Day an official national holiday. And I was reading it, and in that time, that it was, it was kind of lost, a tradition that was lost, and then it was brought back, and then it kind of get, started getting bigger, and uh, Lyndon Johnson had gotten involved and, and pushed for it, and all this cool stuff happened. But it wasn't until 58 years later that they said, we're going to honor dads. And of course, we all know, June 17, 1979, I entered the world on Father's Day. True story. Uh, I taught my parents how to, how to trust God and how to pray and how to really seek the Lord for uh, just a little devil child, kid, you know, the problem child movies. That was me. Uh, my sister will attest. But... Um, Today is Father's Day, and we're celebrating you dads, and um, I'm excited. One thing we're going to do, we're going to do a little different format today. Um, I'm not going to share very long. I know I just made some of your Father's Day right there. So I'm not going to share very long. We are going to have a panel of three men that are going to ask some questions. Um, just to kind of prep you, what I'm going to do is, is give you guys my number, literally my cell phone number. Uh, I've got some pre-already uh, set up questions that they've received. But we also want to hear from you guys, questions that you could text in to me, and I will 
give it to them. For better or worse, how they answer, it's on record. They have no time to think about this. It is you guys. And they could be specific. They could be a general. Um, you decide. And so we'll do that a little later on. But, um, you know, today is Father's Day, and as we celebrate it, a lot of you are excited. Maybe you're getting ready for, for lunch. You're going to do something special. Maybe you're going to work on the yard. Maybe you're going to sleep. Um, just relax, whatever. But as a dad, I've, I've learned a lot of things. And, and, and I remember when, when, when my girls were born. And as Clyde was sharing this morning, he remembers when his were born. And, and just if you, you have children, you know that experience of, gosh, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, now what? I remember bringing Belle home for the first time after uh, we had left after a couple days. And uh, we were on the bed, me and Cameron, and we were just holding her. And I started to cry. And it wasn't because I was so happy. I was literally scared. And I was like, what if I kill her? Truly, that was what I thought. I was like, "There's no, where are the nurses? I, I can't just, ding, and they don't come in and just rescue us. And, and, and now we have to sleep. And what if I, I roll over on her and I squish her? Which I did roll over on her once. Um, Cameron ran up and, what are you doing? Threw me off. But, um, but I've learned a lot in that. And as a dad and as, as I celebrate Father's Day, I've learned a few things. I've learned how to wrestle three little girls and lose graciously. I, I, I would call that love. I've learned how to, that being a horse for three little girls is more important than my rest. I, I would say that's perseverance, learning some perseverance. I've learned how to apologize to a five-year-old and a three-year-old sincerely because I got frustrated. And that was humility. Having to go up to them and say, I'm sorry. And then say, I, I forgive you. I've learned every day what it means to look at the Lord for strength and guidance because I don't have all those dad answers. That I've, I've said, God, I, I need direction. I've also learned how to hide the ice cream in the freezer where they don't see it so that Cameron and I can eat it and in secret. That's called wisdom. So um, the more I think about it, um, they've really taught me a lot. They've taught me a lot as a, as a dad, and, and I've grown. And so today, um, I'm, just, I'm excited to just see them and be a horse and all that. And as we know, Proverbs 22, chapter, chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So what this means is, is, is God is sharing in his word here saying, hey, there's parental guidance that, that plays a huge, huge role in their lives. And, and as a parent, we have the, the opportunity, the responsibility to, to pour into our child and share with them and tell them about Christ. And I know that there's some parents who would say, well, well, why don't you let them decide what their religion will be or what their faith will be or who they, they look up to. And I would say, well, do you, do you teach them? Do you say, hey, I'm going to teach you or you're going to learn on your own whether you should look both ways before crossing the street. Or you're going to decide on your own whether the world is round or flat. Or you're going to decide what, how late you want to stay up. I would say as, as, as parents and as, as, as our responsibility to our children as dads, we have that responsibility to share with our kids. And so, as we look in the Bible, we see a lot of fathers. We see Abraham. We see Adam. We see Isaac. We see Jacob. We see Moses. We have a lot of these great men that we look to. But in First Chronicles chapter 28, we see another man. And I, and I want to talk a little bit about these dads and as as we look at these, these greats that we, that we call greats and we say, man, I want to be like, like Moses. I want to be like Abraham. I want to be like Isaac. I want to be like Jacob. I want to be like 
this this person, that person. And I'm looking, I'm like, man, these men were, were far from perfect. These men were not this, this perfect person. They were, some of them were liars, deceivers. Some had adulterous affairs. Some murdered. And yet, yet here they, they, they're in the Bible as greats because they ultimately said, God, you're God. I'm going to follow you. And as we look at First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9 and 10, we see the story of, of, of King David. And it says this, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord, Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. David, King David is basically in his deathbed. He's given his kids his kid advice. The next chapter, if you read, he it's the death of King David. And so I, I looked at this and I said, man, here's this, this, this man, David, who, who did a lot of not good stuff, a lot of bad things, and he did a lot of great things. And, and the, you know, the King David was talking to his son. We know King David as a, as a boy slayed Goliath, the giant. We know that, that David would, would have an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. We would see that he would have her husband killed in battle, send him off, and then have the enemy retreat. This is really like one of those Dateline specials that you see. I mean, truly, if you take his life, that's what it was. And at the end of his life, he's sitting there and he's telling Solomon, basically, know the God your father and serve him with your whole heart and with a willing mind. And as dads, I know that that for me, and this is true, and uh, we want the best for our kids. We want them to to be safe. We want them to to have a, a good life. We want them to live a long life, marry a good, good husband, marry a good wife, maybe have a little house. We, we just want the best for our kids. And here I, I, I look at King, King David and I think, man, he doesn't, he didn't say anything about, hey, I hope um, you own this or you own that. He's saying, at the end of my life, this is what I hope you leave with. Know God, your father, and serve him with the whole heart. I like how, how the Bible t- talks about David as a man after God's own heart. And so here's two pleas from a dad as we see King David's talking. He goes, the first plea is, know the God of our father. Don't just worship him because he, just to worship him, he says, know him, know him. Essentially, he's saying the secret to my success, the secret to, to what I've done is not because of my ability. It's because of my relationship with God, with the one true God. That's it. Everything that you see is because of God. You need to pursue him in that same relationship. That's what he's saying. You know, the reality is, this is what we want as dads. At the end of his life, he said, man, just know God. Know him. It was last night we were, uh, we were sleeping and Emma, my little one and a half chubby year old, wakes up, starts crying. So I pick her up after like 10 minutes. 
put her in the bed, and I'm, I'm falling asleep. And, and she's, of course, wired. I don't know what was in her system, but she was wired. And, and, and she starts, I, I wake up to, and I'm like, she's just kissing me. Random little places in my face, in my arm. And then I smiled, and I was like, Emma, you got to go to bed. I, I loved it. I held her, and then I put her down, and then she kept wanting to jump, and just jump up and play and run and do whatever. One thirty in the morning, I'm like, what are you doing? Finally, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm exhausted. I put her down, and she starts screaming, and she's crying, and she's crying. And about a, 20 minutes later, Cameron picks her up, and I fall asleep, because now Cameron got, has her, right? And it's Father's Day, so I can do that. I only do that once. Once a year. Every other time, I, I, I'm, why, babe, you go to bed. I mean, um, but I figured it's, it's Father's Day. And so she starts to, I hear, and she starts kissing Bell, or Cameron. And, and I, I, I woke up and I looked at her and I go, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. And she just cuddled. And of course, starts going, woo. But I love that about Emma. I know that it's, it's part of her, her personality. It's part of how she's always been. She's always been a cuddler. I know her. As my daughter, I, 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 I see her. I, I have this routine when I go home. I knock on the door, and Belle and Ava will, will, will try to run at me, and, and Cameron's like, hold on, hold on. And then Emma, and she calls her over so she can see me through the window, and Emma just gives this like loud chub, like, ah, and waddles over. You know, like, I, I know that about her. And I think of here... King, King David's talking to his son and saying, no, God, don't just worship him because I worship him because your, your fathers, before you worship him, know him. That's the key. That's the secret, secret to my success. And the second one is a dad's plea. He's saying, serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. Some people worship God with all their mind and no heart. It's all head knowledge. Others with, with all their heart and not with their mind. But he's saying, hey, use all your mind and all your heart to serve God. I used to have a professor in college who said, don't be a scholar on ice and don't be a fool on fire. Be a scholar on fire. I said, that's good. That's good. Just studying the word, but not just for head knowledge. One pastor said, a lot of people are going to miss heaven by about eight inches from their head to their heart. It's just not connecting. And so here King, King David is saying, David tells Solomon, know God. And he says that earlier, but then he says, serve God. And so to know him, when you know God, you're going to be able to serve him. You know, I love that as dads, we get to, we get to see our kids and we get to um, pray for our kids. This morning, I think Clyde said it best. He said, pray, teach, pray. And get out of the way. To let God just take control. Because really, as, as a dad, we were protective and want to take care of our kids. And we have a responsibility to do that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's pray for them. Teach them. Pray some more. And then just let God do it. And so, my prayer is at the end of our lives, as we, as we look here, this is example of King David saying, Know God and serve God. That that would be our heart. It's not, oh, I hope you're able to move to this city, or I hope you're able to own this much property, or I hope you're able to do this or do that. That's good, and we're not against that. We, we should strive to do that. 
But at the end of our lives, what are we gonna what are we gonna tell our kids? If we're in that situation, what would we tell our kids? I hope it would be just know God. Know God. You know, that's that's our prayers that, that our girls would know God and that they would just worship God. You know, last night we <laughs> we were praying and 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 Ava, a little sensitive girl, she we're like, Ava, I said, Don't talk while we pray, don't don't play around while we pray. And and she does this a lot and she she started jumping around and said, Ava, you need to stop and then she just started crying and just kept crying and crying. And Ava, what's wrong? We forgive you. It's okay. We're not mad. We just tell you, you know. Usually by that point, it's like, okay, done. Two hours later, she's still crying. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to disappoint you. I didn't mean to play during prayer. And and I I, I was I was trying to get some stuff ready, and it was ten o'clock, and I was honestly I was frustrated, and I got up I was like. Ugh. I'm going to throw down. I'm walking over there. I'm mad. And, I, and I'm praying on the way there. I'm like, God. But it was one of those prayers where I was like, speak to me because I have to pray that. But I don't really want you to speak to me because I really want to go in there and just turn on the lights. I, that's honest to goodness. And, and I opened the door and, and I was just like, pray with her. God's like, pray with her. I want to. I want to yell. I want to go to bed. I already said I forgive you. Can't you see the love of God in my life? Like, I wanted to do that. And um, I truly did. I, I, and, and I was like, Ava, let's pray. And I grabbed her and I said, Holy Spirit. She doesn't know. She, where she's just there crying. I'm sorry. I said, Holy Spirit, just teach her the difference between guilt and conviction. Guilt is not from you, God. And, and, and God... You've convicted her, and, and, and Lord, just let her know that we love her, and that, that I love her, and Mom loves her, and we forgive her. And she's like, okay. And, she, and then Cameron, about for about 10 minutes, went in there and laid with her, but she was still crying. And so for me, as a dad, I, I'm saying, I want my girls to learn that. I want them to, to know God. I want them to serve a living God. I want them to know God, our Father, a God who forgives but how could I teach them that if I'm not willing to do that? And so as I walked in, God was just like, pray for her. And it's this battle of my flesh and, and what I'm supposed to do. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so I love that as, 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 as dads, we we have that opportunity and that privilege to share with our kids. If you're a single mom, you have that opportunity to share that love and that responsibility to share Christ with your kids. God's not looking for, for perfect dads. Our wives are, but God's not. Right? Thankfully, I've met that requirement. But... I think as I, as I call these guys up, um, Clyde said it best, just pray, teach, pray some more, and just let God be God. And so as we, as we, as we get ready to close in, I, I wanted to keep it short because I want to really share um, 
these men who've got experience. Some are younger than others. Some are older. Some have kids that are older. Some have grandkids. Really kind of a, a spectrum of, of ages. But want to share, have them share their wisdom. And so as we, as we, um, we'll have them come up, actually right now, let's have them come up and um, just remembering that, that here King David is talking to his son and ultimately he says, know God and serve him. And as parents, that's our responsibility. So we have our, our, our dads come on up. Let's, let's welcome these men up here. All right, so what we're going to do, guys, is um, we, have, we have four specific questions that we may go over, we may not, but we have four questions that these guys have already looked at, and we have one specific to each of them. But between that time, I'd love for you guys to text me your questions. There's my number, 401-0002. They could be very specific. They could be to one person. They could be to all of them. This is your opportunity to really, really, wow, that was already getting questions. Um, what year was Clyde born? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, okay, so what we're going to do first is ask, a question, and I've already got five questions in there. Um, what was the what, what was the most rewarding thing? What is the most rewarding thing about being a dad? And you don't all have to answer. You can, if you really feel passionate about that, you can go. Well, uh, I I think the most rewarding thing uh, that I see, I have grandchildren, and to see my children grow up to be with the Lord. I just had two grands and lead their children in the ways of the Lord. Uh, I We had two grandchildren that came back from camp this week. And when I asked them how it was, first time they've ever been to camp, it was awesome. And they quoted scripture and, and they were awesome. So, uh, I mean, that's one of the most rewarding things to me is to to see your children as... David told his son Solomon to see your children choose God and walk with him. Uh, the same thing. Um, both of my children came to know the Lord thanks to my wife. She led them both to Christ when they were uh, younger. And um, <clears throat> to know that they know Christ, to know that I will spend eternity with them. Um, for that, I'm eternally grateful. No pun intended to my wife and uh, to Christ. Um, I was thinking about this. Uh, recently, I heard both of my kids mention the name of Jesus, just like I would Ty or Ben or Joseph or Ethan or Abby. And it just thrilled my heart to know that Jesus is as personal to them as their friends that they can touch. And that's that's a real thrill for me. So that's... What's the most challenge? What's most challenging about being a dad? Can you 
Most challenging thing for me, being a dad, is loving my wife. You know, the Bible commands us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. He doesn't command us to love ourselves. We do that very well. I do anyway. He doesn't command us to love our children. I think fathers naturally love their children. They're our flesh and blood. Um, He commands us to not provoke our children to wrath. He commands us to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But he does command us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. I can only speak from my personal experience. Um, When I am not loving my wife unconditionally and uh, sacrificially as Christ loved the church, it's more difficult for her to be the mom that she wants to be, the mom that she can be. And so uh, that's why I wanted this question, because I have failed miserably on many occasions. And so I would challenge you as husbands that if you see your wife struggling as a mom, Ask yourself what your relationship with her has been like in the last week or two. Because I, I, I'm almost always pulling it back to me and to my relationship and my failure to be Christ to my wife. Um, That's pretty convincing. Why would you have to say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Voice of experience. Yeah. That's good. Now it's Mickey's turn. Um, well, my kids are three and five, so little different than your children now but uh so as going through it i'm the young dad as you might be able to see (laughs) the less the least amount of wisdom but um it's just correcting them at this young age and uh at three and five and two boys um and i'm sure everybody or people here in this room have gone through it but every minute it seems like i'm correcting them for something and then uh, the challenging part isn't correcting because we're called to do it. You know, we want to make sure that we're um, we're not letting them just live in their error, even at that young age. But and then you, you really just my hard part is just looking inside and just seeing if I'm angry when I'm doing it. You know, is it then I think about am I correcting them because of flaws that I'm mad about about myself? or things that I'm just angry about, and then I really have to tone down that correction and make sure I'm doing it the right way and the loving way. Um, I think that's the, the most challenging part for me right now as a, as a young father. So. I guess I would just reiterate what Ken said, is, is learn to listen to my wife. Uh, that's It's phenomenal how... <coughs> God made us so differently and then He gives women this tremendous unconditional love that I confess that I don't have. And just this week, my wife said to me, Mike, about one of our children and and to be able to listen. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit speaking in your marriage and your life and He uses your wives. So that's a huge thing to build. Even on that, so. What are some ways you lead or led your family while you were working full-time? Full-time dad, full-time job. Are you talking to me? Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, I kind of wrestled with that question because 
I went through a period, of, a long period of time. It was maybe that I'm retired. The last few years of my life, I finally realized that you needed to slow down and and be there more. And I made an effort to be there, but uh, the to to look at the whole spectrum of the thing, to be there with your children, I I think that I missed it sometimes. The one thing that we did have, though, is uh, after I came to Christ, and many of you know my testimony, I was an alcoholic, and Jesus Christ delivered me from that 24 years ago. But after I came is the effort that we made as a family to be in church. So, um, Growing up uh, in Massachusetts, my mom was really, you know, the one that was in the house. My my dad was there, and but he uh, he drove a bus as a uh, tour bus driver, so he was taking trips to Canada and uh, you know Arizona, California. So he'd be gone for weeks at a time. And um, as I was younger, I you know that was something that made me angry. But as I got older, I was appreciative of the sneakers that I got to put on my feet and you know clothes that I got to wear. Um, so my my leadership as a dad now is, uh, you know, just going through that as a child is certainly to make my presence in the house a priority. Um, I want my kids to see me in the morning before I go to work. And then um, when I come home, I want to be able to sit down and share a meal with them on a daily basis so um, that they know, you know, what a dad looks like on a daily basis. So that's my, uh, my leading as a dad. Like Mike, I thought about this for a while and, and came up with something that happened about 10 years ago. November 22nd, 2003, exactly. Um, my love language is acts of service. If you want to communicate love to me, fix me a great meal, scratch my back, <laughs> do the dishes for me, you know, because I have to do them once a week. I don't know how I got into that. I think I volunteered for it. <clears throat> so, when I was... Um, working hard 10 years ago, you know, bringing home the bacon, doing my job, serving my family. I would come home, maybe I would sweep the porch. You know, it's another active service thing. So I felt like I'd punch that card, sat down, watched three hours of TV, and expected my wife to sit down and watch TV with me. Um, and, you know, there's a cardinal rule of TV. Um, women see the remote, use the remote to see what's on. Men use the remote to see what else is on. So my wife, bless her soul, would wait until the commercial would come on so she could have a conversation about what happened in the, the day. And as soon as the commercial came on, I'd flick and find something else. Um, this culminated in a long discussion at one point. Um, and I just made the decision the TV was gone. We gave up the cable. We didn't have satellite. Um, it was more of a, you know, you got your marriage or your TV. Which one do you want? Um, you may not struggle with television. Me, it's like, you know, moth to flame. I just get sucked in. I even like the commercials. Um, I had to give it up. And that was a, a leadership principle that, you know, Christ sacrificed for us. We sacrificed for our wives and our children. And um, it may be for you. It could be the computer. It could be golf. It could be soccer. It could be hiking, bicycling. It could be the Wall Street Journal or Barron's. Um, whatever it is, just like God does not want us to have idols in front of him, 
He also doesn't want us to have idols in front of our wife and children. And so whatever it is that's drawing time away from you, drawing your time away from your family, I would encourage you to curtail it or eliminate it. In my case, there was no middle way. We just had to give it up. And I don't regret it. My wife doesn't either because she wrote me a note. That's how I know the date that we gave it up because she wrote me a note and said, thank you for turning off the TV. Um, So that's just, you know, one example. All right. Enough with the softball question. How about this? (laughs) Tell us all about a time that you failed as a dad and what you learned about it. That's an easy one. I have a temper. Okay. I, I have a serious temper. Um, I inherited it from my pro- father. It's genetics. It's not my fault. Um, but it, it's there. And um, my wife and I have a discussion all the time, environment versus genetic. So there have been many occasions where I've had to apologize to my children. But in watching my wife apologize, I learned the proper way to reconcile. Because I was just apologizing. I wasn't reconciling. And so what I watched her do one time, one of those rare times that she might have been a little bit um, out of sorts with the children, she said, uh, honey, I'm sorry. I was impatient with you. Will you forgive me? And I learned reconciliation through that process. Uh, Say you're sorry. Restate the infraction. Tell the child what it is you did wrong. I was curt with you. I was short with you. Um, I, I slammed the door on you know, to get away from you, whatever it is, and then require the child eventually to say, I forgive you. Now, they may say, I'm not ready yet. Okay, let them have some time. Um, I learned that from my wife. For you fathers to be, if you're tennish in this room and you're a male, in all likelihood you will be a father in 15 years. Number one rule about being a good father is marry a godly woman because that will be the godly wife, uh, mother of your children. And I can't tell you how thankful I am to the Lord that the mother of my children is still teaching me how to be a good father. You know, I'm a sinner saved by grace, so I have a lot of failures. But uh, the, my biggest failure that, that I recognize was the years that I spent, some early years, with uh, as my children are growing up, before I came and just totally turned my life over to Jesus Christ, uh, is what it was. And I, I look back on those and I think what I lost, because there was a loss there. Uh, Jesus Christ gives so much life. So while, even as a grandfather, I fail some days, this is the most awesome thing and your knees are the most awesome thing that there is and and there was this there was a period of time when three of our children grew up and I wasn't walking with the Lord as I should be and and so that was my biggest failure took me a long time to come up with something but (laughs) she called me I had all the answers I have a list. Cameron and I have been working on this list for a while. Um, if you know me, you know, get a chance to hang out with me. I, I think I come across as a very um, accepting person, very 
you know, I'm an easy listener. I can sit and talk to somebody or let somebody talk for hours. Um, I'm the same way at work. If an employee has a problem or if a customer has a problem, I'm all ears. Um, but when it comes to my children, I don't give them the grace that I give a total stranger. Um, and that's evident in my life all the time. And it's something I'm always working on, but uh, certainly something that's uh, pointed out to me. And it's just, you know, they're going to make mistakes, and you're so invested in them, and you want them to do the right things. So that's why that it's like an exposed nerve all the time. Um, you just got to be careful with it. Show them the grace that, you know, you're willing to give to other people, and certainly the grace that we've received. So. Um, but the biggest one, that's not the biggest one. <laughs> the biggest one was um, Malachi was, he's my oldest, he's five. He was three and a half, and Maxwell was about one. Um, before I was actively reading the Bible with them. So that was three and a half years and one and a half years for Maxwell that I'll never get back. Um, and so that's certainly uh, the biggest failure so far. But uh, I've certainly learned from it. Um, and it's certainly a priority now. So, All right. So some specific questions. Um, Mickey, you can keep the... You might have answered this a little bit earlier, but what do you find the most challenging as a dad, specifically with young kids, young children? Yeah, again, I mean, if you can hear my, my testimony as a dad, um, it's just that, you know, being patient with them. Um, again, you're, you're so invested in their lives at these young ages, and you want to get them on the right path right away, but, you know, they're either figuring out how to walk two years ago, so how are you going to you know, make sure that they're well-behaved and not hitting each other. You, know, you just got to give them time and be patient with them. So um, that's the most challenging thing. All right. Mr. Pittman, in less than one minute, how do you lead your family now as a grandfather? You know, I couldn't do it without God. So it's, it's prayer and this. Some of you have heard my testimony about what a wonderful thing this is, the Bible is. I've had many conversations with every one of my children, not only personally, but over the phone where they've called and said, Dad, and I've been able to sit down at the table and open the scripture and say, this is what God says. And what a tremendous thing. And then you can go in prayer. So prayer and the word. All right. Mr. Whitehead, in less than a minute, as your kids have gotten older, what are some ways that you've had transition as a dad through their different stages of life? For Beth, it's an easy answer. When she was younger, daddy date nights were just, you know, <clears throat> I just didn't see the need for them. Um, unfortunately, I waited too late to do that. It's only in the last few years that Beth and I have had daddy date nights. But i got to tell you, fathers, there's just nothing more precious on the planet than going out with your daughter. I mean, it, it's not just the fun. She will ask questions that she won't ask anybody else in front of anybody else. And you get an opportunity to see into her soul. And she gets an opportunity to see what a gentleman is supposed to do for a lady. And um, that's been a lot of fun. And it doesn't have to be dinner. It could be, you know, have tea with her, whatever. Um, for Kenny, the challenge has been 
how much responsibility do I give him and when? You know, this week we're going to handle the chainsaw together. Got the chaps, got the chainsaw. He's 14, about time to handle the chainsaw. Wasn't ready to do that a year ago, okay? He's grown a couple of inches, feel a lot more comfortable about him doing the chainsaw. I'm getting older, so I'm really not looking forward to doing it myself. You know, God, God's kind of cool that way, you know? So that's, that's it. All right. So we got some questions here from the audience. When did you really feel like a father? When your wife was pregnant, when you saw your children, child first, when you brought it home? I think when Barb was pregnant. And I think that's when I realized, um, you know, Lord willing, we would have a child. Um, and, um, and my life was about to change. As a pastor told me a long time ago, children bring a level of awareness and responsibility to you that you don't have without them. It's such a blessing because you realize they will be what you are. And that's about the scariest thing on the planet. You know, I felt not so much maybe during a pregnancy, although I did and understood that. But I tell you, when I was there for the birth of our first son and all of our children, the miracle that that is, that was one of the most overwhelming things to me. And that's when I really not only saw the joy, but the responsibility and, the, and, and, and a big piece of that fatherhood is at birth, uh, especially. But I guess in thinking back, um, after Shannon had had Malachi, she went back to work, I think, after a couple months or so. And, you know, we didn't necessarily have the money for um, daycare every day or something or two days a week when she was gone. So I stayed home on Tuesdays with this baby and I just looked at him and felt bad for him. <laughs> but, uh, we, we quickly figured it out between the two of us. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's when it was, I'm responsible for this person. My wife's not here, so we got to figure it out. <laughs> All right. We'll try to do in 30 seconds or less for these questions because, we have a lot of good ones. Um, and you don't all have to go. We'll, we'll get you around. What's your biggest, what was your biggest surprise as a dad? It's from the audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, you know, just off, off the top of my head, biggest surprise as a dad was in growing up I, I wanted to be a good dad you know I wanted to say if I was anything else if I was a banker doctor whatever I want to be a good dad um, so the biggest surprise to me was just the time that it takes um, it's not just something you walk into and not something you're good at the first day by any means um, but just the the time that you put into yourself to get ready for those kids and then also uh, just the physical time that you need to spend with these children to be um, a good dad. So that was the biggest surprise for me. 
you know, I got to feel this real quick too. You know, I think when I think about that, one of the biggest surprises that I get is when I hear my children share what I tried to say when I just swore they never heard a word. (laughs) (laughs) How do you deal with recognition of your errors in the past as a father? Can I go back to the first one? I like the first one better. Yeah. Uh, Biggest surprise as a dad, how much fun it was. I can't tell you how much fun it is to be the woolly mammoth. Okay. (laughs) When there are two ferocious saber-toothed tigers prowling the living room. You know, I'm an eighth of a ton, so I fit, you know. Um, Guys, enjoy those years. Mickey, enjoy those years because they pass so quickly. I cannot believe my son's 14, my daughter's 12. It was just a few days ago, it seems like, that we were, you know, tickling and playing hide-and-seek and doing all the fun things that you can do with four- and five-year-olds. And it's harder to do at 14. I'm sorry. What's the yeah. How do you deal with recognition of your errors in your past as a father? Let me get one of you to answer this one. You know, we've been given two things. First and foremost, we've been given the Holy Spirit. And secondly, God has blessed us with godly women. And so... It's, uh, I would say that between those two, if you take and listen, uh, that's a huge step towards recognition of that. All right. Who were, who were your father role models? What did they teach you that you have now passed on to your kiddos? Well, I was, uh, I guess this is a tough one for me, but, you know, for me growing up, I didn't really come to know the Lord until I was in junior high. Um, So the role models that I saw were basically, uh, like Clyde was talking about earlier, like TV dads or something. Um, You know, and I saw some of my friends' fathers who were just, again, around, present in their kids' lives um, at the baseball games, just there consistently. So I really valued seeing that um, in other homes. And then I always wanted to be like Bill Cosby as a dad. So <laughs> Bill Cosby, probably. All right. Last question. Actually, um, if your kids could describe you in one word, what would it be? And then we'll go to smell after that. Just kidding. Wow. That's tough. One word. One word. I don't know. I'm looking for some little help out there. Um, I hope it would be. Um, I hope it would be Christ-like. I don't know that it is, but my hope is that it would be Christ-like. Boy, I don't know. I would hope the same, and I would hope that they say that I loved, but some days I don't love as I should, but uh, I would hope that. I, uh, I I do see the fruit of some of that uh, as I get more gray hair, but uh, 
Once again, I'm a sinner saved by grace, so there is no book uh, that that really helps that whole fatherhood thing other than you and, and God. But uh, I, I would hope both of those things. I do what Jesus Christ has done. Do you want me to answer? One word. One word. Well, again, there's three and five, so um, probably some days mean. <laughs> Daddy's mean. <laughs> and then uh, hopefully most of the time, fun. Fun. Yeah. Good. Thank you guys for opening your lives. Yeah. Just, just because um, I gave this. These are great questions. And for me, it was uh, great questions. For me, it was uh, convicting because I realized how much more work I still have to do, even though I'm a father for 14 years. Some things that I thought about last night as I was pondering these questions. Barbara and I have written letters to our children. They've never seen them. They won't until they're 18. We wrote them when they were two, when they were four, when they were six, and we continue to write those letters. At first, it was because if something happened to us, we wanted our children to know who we were. Now it's just a, a chronicle of their life. And so I would, I would encourage you to think about that if that works for you. The other thing we used to do, especially for the young ones, is whenever they said something really cute, like Beth's in the car and it's at night and she asked her mother, why is the moon following us? Um, that kind of stuff we wrote down on sticky notes and we stuck it up on the cabinet um, door and we've saved those. And they're fun to go back to and they're also going to be fun to give them to our children. Um, love languages. If you don't know your wife's love language, you're probably not having a fun life. If you don't know your children's love languages, or at least starting to get to know those things, um, it's going to be less, it's going to be more difficult for you to express your love. You're still going to love them. They just won't feel it as much. Uh, acts of service, uh, quality time, affection, verbal, gift giving, those are the five that I've studied. And... Um, when I'm an active service guy and my wife has quality time and affection, you need to know that. And likewise, I think you know, need to know it for your children. So, um, And then one other just anecdotal evidence uh, of God's provision. When Beth was four, maybe five, she got into some brushes and got eaten alive by ants. And so she went running, screaming like a banshee to the slide, which is away from the brush pile. My wife jumps up to love and comfort. So she heads for Beth. I head to the brush pile because God provided me as the, the the provider and the protector. And I love that picture. My wife is wondering, why aren't you over here with my daughter? And I'm thinking, I, I'm where I need to be. I need to know if it was ants or a poisonous snake. And so my wife is comforting like the Holy Spirit comforts us. And I'm providing and protecting like the Father protects and provides for us. What a great picture that only children can show you. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for sharing. Mr. Kinzer, if you want to come up, and we're going to end today with communion. you men for uh, for sharing that that was excellent
I was thinking through uh, communion today, I'm going to share kind of a non-traditional verse to go with uh, our communion service. Because I was just, it's a non-traditional lesson, obviously, a non-traditional day. We don't have Father's Day every every Sunday, but um, I just thought about as leaders, uh, as, you know, people in in a, a position where others are watching us, and that would really apply to everyone in the room. Um, hopefully, we're always leading them to Christ, that we're showing Him, and Heavenly Father, He doesn't make any mistakes, and and we sure do, and we sure fall short, but thanks to the Holy Spirit and thanks to His grace, we can aspire to God-like behavior, Christ-like behavior. And so I wanted to read a, a verse from Colossians 2, and it's a mission statement. So I, I want you to think about this in relationship to our relationship with Jesus Christ. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have full the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus Christ, if He's not our treasure, our priorities are messed up. And we need to make Him our our treasure and our priority and the thing that just dominates our thoughts and our motives. And this time in every worship service is precious to me. And I hope it is for you. Because communion is when, whether we've had a good lesson or a lesson that didn't necessarily resonate with us or whether the worship service wasn't quite there, this time is all about our relationship with Jesus. This is when we recognize that but for Him coming to earth, living a perfect life, dying on a cross for our sins, we're lost. So, this time, I just want to take a moment, silent prayer, let's just take a minute and just just pray to God. Let's just uh, thank Him for His Son. And then let's take the elements. So let's pray for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You for Your Son, Jesus. We thank You for sending Him to earth. We thank You that He gave us this communion supper as a way to remember Him regularly. To bring it back to who He is in our lives. So, Father, we just ask that You would bless this bread Bless, bless this fruit of the vine. 
that represents his body and blood given on our behalf so that we don't have to pay the penalty for our sins, which is death. That we can enjoy eternal life with you in heaven through your son, Jesus. So thank you, Father. May this be pleasing to you as we commune with you and one another and the church universal throughout the world. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's...